But I want to share a story with you. Because my question to you this morning is this. Do you hear or do you listen? Do you hear or do you listen? And I want you to hear this story this morning. And I'm going to be seeing if you're hearing what I'm saying or you're listening to what I'm saying. You see, there's this truck driver. And he always stopped at this little diner as he went through this one particular town. And he never failed to stop. Had great food there. And so this particular day, he was driving through and he stopped at this little diner and he noticed they had a new girl working. New young girl. Looked like she just right out of high school. And he says, oh gee, I think I'll have a little fun this morning. So he enters the restaurant and the little diner and he sits at the stool at the counter and the young girl comes up to him and says, hello, can I get you something to drink, some coffee, tea, or some water? And he said, sure, I'll have some coffee. And so she goes to get the coffee and she brings it back and she sets it at the table or at the counter. And she said, uh, what would you like to order? He then replies to her. I like to have three flat tires, two headlights, and a, a side of rails. And she said, excuse me? He then repeats himself. He said, I'd like to have three flat tires, two headlights, and a side of rails. The girl's perplexed. She's puzzled. So she had written it down on her little tablet. So she goes back to the kitchen and she says, uh, we got a strange one this morning. He thinks he's in an auto parts store. And the chef says, what do you mean? Well, this guy comes in ordering parts. And he said, well, why don't you tell me what he, what he said? She said, okay. She said he'd like to have three flat tires, two headlights, and a side of rails. And he said, oh, you weren't listening to him. He'd like to have three pancakes, two eggs, sunny side up, and a side of bacon. She said, oh, well, why didn't he say so? Being quick as she was, she's heading back out into the diner, and she walked by this pot, and she grabbed a little cup, and she filled it with beans. And as she passed by the truck driver who was sitting there at the counter, she set the beans down in front of him and she started to walk off and he said, oh, excuse me, dear. I don't think you understood my order. And she said, oh, I understood your order. You want three flat tires, that's three pancakes. You want two headlights, that's two eggs, sunny side up. And a side of rails, crispy bacon. And he said, well, what's the meaning of these beans? She said, well, I figured you might want to fill up with gas while you were waiting for your parts. <laughs> you see, you have to be careful what you ask for. In Mark chapter 3, we see a story of a man 
who wanted to hear Jesus, but not sure that he wanted to listen to Jesus. Matter of fact, let's do this. Let's, let's back it up a little further. Let's go to, let's go to Mark chapter 2 and verse 23. See, because I think we need, to, we need to catch the context as we roll into chapter 3. And in verse 23 of chapter 2 of Mark, and it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day. And his disciples began as they went to pluck ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath do that which is unlawful? And he said unto them, and Jesus replies here, Have ye never read what David did when he had need and he was in hunger? He and they that went with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abraham and the high priest and ate and the, the showbread, which, was, which is not lawful to, to, to eat. So he goes on to tell them, look, this is what David did. This is a guy you look up to. This is a guy you revered, and, and look what he did. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now, we see what's taking place here. What's taking place? Criticism. They're criticizing Jesus for what has taken place in the past and what's taking place now. They're criticizing. He's, he's telling them he's the Lord of the Sabbath. They're saying this is blasphemy. But now Jesus goes on to the synagogue in verse chapter 3 to make this whole message very plain to them. And he entered into the synagogue. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said unto them, man, which had the withered hand, stand forth. He said unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked unto the man, he says, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched forth it out. And his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth straight away to talk, took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I pray, God, that you will just open our hearts and our eyes, but most of all, our ears to what you're saying. Father, let us take your words, your words of life, and Father, let them place, place each one in our heart that we will not sin against you. In Jesus' name. So we see here that Jesus 
will meet and heal a troubled man. This guy has a lot of problems. But in spite of the consequences that Jesus is going to face, he's going to do what is right. I was telling Lynn this morning, I was reading this passage of Scripture when talking about them going by the cornfield and they kind of picked some ears of corn off. And, and by the way, that was a normal thing to leave corn on the outside of the field. That was the farmers were to do that so that travelers coming by could get some corn, some food to eat while they're traveling on. Or for the poor who couldn't afford to buy it, they could go by and get a few ears of corn themselves. So it was, it was a lawful thing. It's not like they were stealing anything. This is, this is, but in spite of the consequences of himself, this is what he does. This is what he says. But I want us to consider this man that had the withered up hand that was totally useless. You see, he had a condition. Yes, he had a hand that he couldn't use. I can say this morning, I kind of understand what, you know, where that was coming from. To look at his withered hand, you, you could only imagine what it was doing to him physically. He was a handicapped person as a worker, so to speak, because he could only use one hand. They tease me some at work. They say, well... You should only be getting half a pay because you're only doing half the work. I remind them this 59-year-old does more work with one hand than they do with two. And, and, then it, and then they all kind of quiet down and simmer down and everybody gets back to work. But what it causes him is to be dependent on others. You see, some of us have handicaps that are not seeable. And we have to depend on others to help us, to help us to get through. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have a hand that you can't use or maybe a bum leg or whatever. Sometimes we have other deficits, if you will, and we need others' help. I've seen people walking down the street and they'd have a, a nurse with them. And I'd, I'd say, why do they got a nurse with them? You know, they look pretty healthy. I mean, there's Spriving right along. But they could have a mental condition. They could have that they can't remember. Who knows? But they need help. But see, I think more honestly, when I think about this story and I think about this man, I begin to think about what this affliction did to him emotionally. You see, I think it made him feel self-conscious. These people with a disability or people who have a, a handicap, so to speak, become very conscious of those handicaps and they try to cover up, they try to overdo so that people don't notice it. It probably made him feel inferior because he couldn't get out there and work like the rest of everybody else. He could only do a little at a time. It made him feel that those who had normal bodies were much better than him. He envied them. You see, people, I begin to think 
about this man and I begin to think about his situation and, and sometimes I wonder, you know, how inferior are we when we begin to think about other people, when we begin to think about other situations? How inferior are we when it comes to the relationship of this guy who has a withered hand? I think a lot of times that if we, if we could just step back and take a look at ourselves, I think we'd see our own inferiors. We could see our own problems. We could see our own handicaps, if you will. But I think the most important part of this man's affliction was what it did to him spiritually. You see, it made him look to the Lord for help. When we're in trouble, when we feel inadequate, we go to the Lord for help because we need his help. Where does our help come from but the Lord? And I think a lot of times we need to call out to the Lord in the midst of our inferiorities, in the midst of our, our problems. It caused him to go to the synagogue and pray. Many times when we have a need, we don't necessarily go to the Lord right away. Because Doc Jones is right down the street and he's got some drugs that'll make you feel happy. Put you in a happy zone. Make you feel good. But I think we need to start looking to the Lord. You see, Jesus had compassion toward this man. Note how he watched the enemies looking at him seeing what he's going to do. They were, they were eyeing him. They were like, okay, let's see what he's going to do. Let's see if, he, if he's going to heal this man on the Sabbath. Like that was something bad. They felt like, you know, if they were to touch somebody and they were to heal somebody, that's doing work. You can't do that on the Sabbath. The Sabbath day is for rest. They knew, they knew one thing about Jesus for sure, that Jesus had great compassion and great love for people. And he wasn't going to allow this guy to suffer one more minute. They knew that he would help stop the hurting this man was facing and heal him. Because Jesus was always moved by the needs of people. Matter of fact, he's moved by your needs. He's, he's moved by your situations. If I don't know, I, you know, I count every day as a blessing. Because I know that Jesus takes care of each and every need that, that arises in my life. But notice what Jesus says to this guy. He speaks to them and he tells them to stand forth. These words are going to start bringing criticism. Okay, what's Jesus going to do now? Now he has to do something. Because he told this guy to stand up. To come up. But had that man not stood up. And, and stood forth. As Jesus had told him by faith. The enemies probably would have said. See, Jesus wasn't going to do anything. This guy doesn't even listen to him. Nobody listens to him. But this guy was going to have to step out in faith. He was going to have to step up. And Jesus responds, it is always time 
to do good. It is always time to do good. It's not always good to do bad. Matter of fact, it's never good to do bad. But it's always time to do good. So he tells him this. So, so he's bringing more criticism from the crowd, the, these Pharisees. You know, when he tells them to, to, that, that it's time to always do good. And they're thinking, okay, where is he going with this? And Jesus tells them to stretch forth that ugly hand, that withered hand, that useless hand. Jesus tells us to stand forth. He tells us to stretch forth. He wants to heal the ugliness that is in us called sin. But we don't always respond. We're like, I don't want Jesus to know about it. I don't want him to know. Because when you confess it, you realize he knows about it then, for sure. But he already knows about it. He knows all those deep, dark things in your heart that nobody else knows about. He knows. But yet we don't want to confess it because we think he doesn't know. Sometimes it just rattles my mind. I'm sure this man wanted to just show him the other hand. Because Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. Well, he can't hardly do anything with this old floppy hand down here. It's withered and can't useless. And I'm sure he can't go like this. I can't go like this. And he didn't have all this stuff. But Jesus tells him to stretch forth. And I'm sure he would just like to have just kind of slid this one back and slid the good one forth. You see, what was this guy doing? He wasn't just hearing Jesus. He was listening to Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't ask for the withered hand. Jesus didn't take, stretch forth thine withered hand. What did he say? Stretch forth thine hand. You see, by the guy listening to Jesus, he knew what Jesus wanted. It's kind of like your parents when you were growing up. I know some of you have to stretch back a little ways, but let's do this this morning. When your parents said to you, do you hear me? Now, anybody ever heard that from their parent? I heard it many times. Do you hear me? And I'm like, yeah. But then when the punishment comes along, you're like, what did I do? You didn't listen to me. We heard what they said, but we didn't listen because we didn't do it. And then the punishment comes. You see, I think a lot of times when we read the Word of God, we don't want to just hear what's being said. We need to listen to what's being said. Because when we listen, we're, we're more intent. We're listening more deeply. The compassion of the man with the withered hand kind of reminds us of us today. Something in your life that might be called your withered hand. You keep it hidden. 
I might make you feel in, inferior. You, you kind of display your strong points and hide the weak points. So what are some of your withered hands this morning? Maybe it's fear. Maybe fear is your withered hand. Maybe it's a, a, an untamed temper. Perhaps an uncontrolled tongue. You see, a lot of us have many withered hands in our life, but, you know, it's taking control of those things and allowing Jesus to work through those things and to remove those things from our life. See, because I'll tell you what most Christians don't want to do. They don't want to confess in church their sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. If I was to say this morning, all of you that have something that's not right in your life, you didn't get right with Jesus uh, before you showed up at church this morning, stand up. You wouldn't stand because you're like, oh, I don't want oh my gosh, people are going to think, oh, what did they do? What kind of sin is in their life? Oh, and you, you begin mentally to start judging what might be wrong with them. When that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be praying for one another, encouraging one another, helping one another. So when somebody stands forth and says, yeah, there's something wrong. I, there's something in my life that's not right. It's not for us to say, okay, what is it, Tom? What'd you do? Go ahead, spit it out. Confession's good. How many have ever heard it? Confession's good for the soul. Mm-hmm. Tom, confession's good for the soul. Go ahead and tell us. We're listening. Oh, and you would. You would be, you would be hearing him. You'd be listening to him. Because you want to know the juicy stuff. That's not what God intended, church. God didn't intend for us to spill our sins out before the church. He says, confess your sins to him. For he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Not Sharon, not Doris, not Bob. He alone is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So Tom is in no way obligated to share with me what his sins are or aren't. But it is to Christ. You see, one day we're going to stand before the Lord. And the Bible says we're going to give an account for every jot and tittle. That's every thought, every action, every word. All of it. We're going to give an account for all of it. And some of us, I think we, we play that a little too lightly in our life. We, we toy around. I was talking with a young man this week. And he was telling me he'd like to go to church more often, but church is too strict. I said, whoa, what, what kind of church have you been to? He said, well, they want you to confess to being a sinner. 
I said, I don't think they do, but you need to recognize that you're a sinner before the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, but what's in anybody's business? I said, well, I'll tell you what. Won't you hold out until the rapture takes place and then we'll find out whose business it really is. I said, because I'm telling you, it does matter. It matters all the way around. You see, because in the end, you're going to give an account for yourself. Your mother's not going to be there holding your hand. Your sisters won't be there holding your hand. You are going to be standing alone before the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're going to give an account. And how will you answer? I didn't think it was any of your business. Poof, little puff of smoke. That's how fast, you ever seen those cartoon commercials when they drop, you just see that little puff of smoke, they go down. I kind of picture that's how it's going to be like in heaven when he spits you out of his mouth. It's going to be like, poof, because you're going to drop so fast. You see, church, I think we need to stretch forth our sins and our failures to the Lord Jesus because all of us have a weathered hand none of us are perfect none of us are perfect and so I think we need to we need to take our inadequacies our sins our failures and we need to lay them at the cross of the Lord Jesus surrender our lives in whole to him because he alone can make you whole he wants to make you complete I look forward to the day that I can stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and he can say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter in. That's going to be an awesome day. It's going to be an awesome day. When you think about all those things and you think about how life is. When I begin to look at the cross, I begin to see how it points all people to it. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter your nationality. The cross is open to all people because Christ died for all people. Not the select group, not just a select few, but for the whole entire world. Can you imagine being on the cross and the weight of the world is now on your shoulders? The sins of the world, past, present, and future, were on his shoulders at that moment. The fact that he could look to the heavens and, and say, My God, my God, how, why hast thou forsaken me? Can you imagine the pain and the anguish that Jesus is facing at that point in his life? Look at the withered hand he had at that point. All for us. All for our withered hand. All for our inadequacies that we have in our own life. I believe that if we can take this story of this man who is healed on the Sabbath and think of the criticism that Jesus took. I can't help but think about the words of Jesus Christ when he says, greater things will you do than I have done. But taking notes also that he says, you'll be hated because I was hated. When we begin to think of all those things, we, we start weighing in our minds, what should we do? 
I don't, I don't want to be hated by people. I like people. I like happy people. I like sad people. I like grumpy people. I like all people. Why? Because Jesus made them. He made them all. Now, I know there are some people that have to work with grumpy people. And they can't wait to get out of work so that they can smile again. Oh, man, I thought I'd never get out of that grumpy place. But no. Count it all joy. You see, because a smile is one thing that is certainly contagious. You use the least amount of muscles to make it, and it's contagious. But guess what? Frowns are contagious too. When you start frowning around people, they start frowning. You start getting grumpy around people, they become grumpy. But when you're happy around people and you begin to allow that joy to explode in you and you begin to share that, that joy, they get happy. I know that when I go home, my wife, she's in pain, but... I can say some things that'll make her laugh or some things that'll make her smile. And it gets, it's contagious. It doesn't matter your situation, church. It matters what you want to do for Jesus Christ. So as you bow your head this morning, I want to ask you, what is your withered hand? What is your withered hand? Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Or do you listen to what Jesus is saying? Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord God, for how it applies to each one of our lives. And I thank you, Lord, for the, the story of this, this man. Father, for he didn't just hear you. Lord, he listened to you. He could have stretched forth his healed hand, his strong hand, his hand that he could do anything with. But Lord, he listened to you and he stretched forth that withered hand. That withered hand that, Lord God, you made whole. You made it as new as his other. Lord, that no one could see a difference. Lord, I pray this morning as we stretch forth our withered hand. Lord, I pray that you will change it. You will make it whole. Lord, whatever it may be, make it whole, make it pure. And Lord, we'll give you the glory and the honor and the praise this morning for this that we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.